I decided I would go back to some more study along the lines of leadership. And if, if you're a part of this congregation, you know that we've had a lot of teaching on that. Uh, I think I need to teach this sermon, and then I have, I think, one more that I really want to teach, unless I can think of some others. Uh, but I want to ask you today uh, a fundamental question. We're going to talk about elders, okay, and the work of elders. So I wish these elders were both up here in the front row, and that way I could... Uh, it, the, today's not a review of our elders, uh, so I want them to rest easy. But how how are churches supposed to function? How, how does a church go from a beginning, and all churches start somewhere, how does a church go from a beginning to a thriving, flourishing church? Now, there, there's a lot of ground in between. If, if, from what I have gathered, this church, this congregation started maybe in the 1920s or 1930s. So we've, we've almost been going a hundred years. And I don't know exactly who that started with. It may have been some of Curtis's family. I think they were the halls were in Allison before the, the Dukes came on the scene and those kind of things. But how does a church do that? How do you get to where you are absolutely thriving? As I, to me, that's the goal. The goal is for this church to thrive. For this church to be a fantastic place where people can grow where people, people can flourish, where people can uh, overcome the, the problems of life, and where ultimately we go to heaven. That, that's the ultimate goal. But I believe elders is a crucial part of that, and, and those of you who are, are visiting today, maybe you haven't heard all this, but I'm fixing to go over it again because I think it's very important. From, from the churches that we work with, that we're in a brotherhood with, there's 27% that has elders. That is pathetic. Ridiculous. I mean, you ought to, every one of you, be angry and sad by that number. It won't work. Because I believe churches cannot thrive without elders. They are that important. And the study of today, I hope, will help you to, to see that. I hope it's probably a feeble attempt. We'll see. It may, trouble sometimes may be here. We'll see. Uh, the work of elders. And, and if, if we had to sum it up in one word, it would be oversight. The work of an elder is oversight. That's their work. And that's a very broad term, okay? In the Spanish, it, it means super, superintendencia. Maybe that's probably a, a real poor attempt. To superintend. I mean, you, these are terms that should be fairly familiar to us. The work of an elder is oversight, and the, that work, everything he does, falls under this umbrella of oversight. To oversee and to watch, to see what's going on. And we find this in 1 Peter 5, uh, verses 2 and 3. And this is what Peter, who was an elder, said. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. This is the work of elders. And so if, I guess if you remember one thing today, remember elders work as oversight. To oversee. 
Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And so we are blessed with, with two men who have been in this position for now 20 years. And, and they started out with zero experience, you see. These things take time. And they have been the people who oversee God's heritage which started in Allison and now it's here in Wheeler. I want you to notice the definition of the word oversight. This is from Thayer's and it's pretty simple. To look upon, to inspect, to oversee, to look after or care for of the care of the church which rested upon the elders. It's a pretty simple definition. And so elders have the job, the role that they play is to evaluate or inspect and look after and make choices and decisions to guide a church and to help a church as a body of people or as he says in the previous passage as God's heritage to grow and flourish as Christian people. It's a huge role. So elders have to ask this question, what do we have? What do we have when it comes to people? Do we have men who can be deacons? Do we have men who can teach? Do we have people who can lead songs? Are there ladies within the congregation who can do Bible studies? Are we ha do we have the pieces in place so that we can evangelize a community? Do we have a church building that's appropriate and that fits our needs? They have to evaluate what do we have and what do we lack? And then they might ask this question, where are we right now? And where do we need to be? What needs to change, in other words? And so the work of an elder that all falls under the umbrella of oversight is to evaluate, it is to provide vision, and maybe as important as anything, to motivate. To evaluate what we have and provide a vision for where we want to go and what we need. We are here, we need to go here, and we got to motivate everybody as a church, as a church family, as the church of God. They've got to motivate everybody and help everybody how we're going to get there. And what that means is they got to be communicators. They got to communicate. I don't believe. I don't believe there's hardly a church in the brotherhood that is thriving that don't have elders. Maybe one or two. I guess we could argue about the definition of the word thriving and those kind of things. You have to have men who dedicate themselves to the church. You have to have women who dedicate themselves to the church in order for churches to thrive. So we're going to look at three things that fall under this umbrella of oversight. And the first one is to feed. And we read that just a moment ago. We'll read some more of it. Number one is they must feed a congregation. They must educate the people. Number two is they must be trainers. And they must train the members of this congregation. That is a distinct part of their role. And number three, they must protect. I think these are... The three areas it's easiest to put it all into. 
And this is their work. So let's begin with feeding. Elders must be teachers. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. He says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Elders, first and foremost, are teachers. Teachers. And if you follow in the, the qualifications, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, a bishop then or an elder must be apt to teach. Now there's two or three other qualifications in that passage, and I, I'm not trying to alter the scriptures, but you take and read about that. But one of those qualifications that's first and foremost is he's got to be a man who teaches. He's got to be a person who understands Scripture in order to teach, such as Titus chapter 1, verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. This is one of the qualifications for this position of elders. He's got to be a man who has been taught and learned the Scriptures. Why? That he may be, be able to, by sound doctrine, to exhort and convince the gainsayers. Those who differ from Scripture, those who don't believe in truth, those who present things that are not true, an elder has got to have the knowledge and the ability to teach those people. That's wrong. That's not the way we need to go. That's not what we need to do. An elder's got to be a man who has been taught those things and he holds fast the faithful word. He's got it. He understands it. And this is one of the bedrock qualifications of this man because it is an integral part of the nature of oversight. How can a man say we need to change this? We need to go this direction if he doesn't understand Scripture and he's not able to communicate Scripture. He can't. A man will have no influence in the church if he's not able to stand up and express the Word of God and teach the Word of God. <clears throat> Next, in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17, he says, and this is the, the Bible in basic English. Every once in a while, uh, I read a passage of Scripture and I think, well, it's it, not, not that clear to me. Uh, the King James in this passage says those who labor in word and doctrine. But the Bible in basic English says let rulers whose rule is good be honored twice over specifically those whose work is preaching and teaching. This is elder work. It's the nature at the core of their work. And so elders must teach publicly, they must teach often, they must teach about things that are important and pertinent to a congregation. And I believe they must teach privately as well. Hebrews 13 verse 7, remember those which have the rule over you. Who rules over a congregation? That's the elders who have spoken unto you the word of God. That's the nature of their work. Here's what we need to do. Here's what scripture says do. And that teaching and over a course of years as those men teach and they share God's word they build influence in a congregation and when they say this is the direction we need to go we thought I trust that I trust you 
Because I've heard you teach the Word of God. And I want to follow that. You see, he says, whose faith follow, considering the end of their congregation. Finally, in Acts chapter 15, verse 2, and if you would take and read a little bit in Acts chapter 15, and especially 15 and 16, there's a whole lot of discussion about some problems and discussions that were going on in the early church. And in every one of those cases, they go talk to the apostles and the elders. Difficult questions arose back in those days. There were hard things that came up in the church, and in order for a church to thrive, those hard questions got to be answered. And leaders in the church were the ones who made those choices and decisions. So notice what they say here. Therefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them. The, the argument was, do you have to be circumcised to be saved? This is the argument. This was the hard question. And you can imagine in Israel, in Judah, a land that had practiced circumcision for thousands of years, this really became a question. And this was a disagreement. Now I want you to notice what happens. And certain of them uh, should go, that Paul and Barnabas, and certain of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders. I tell you, in Acts 15, Acts 16, Elders are right there with apostles in making these choices and decisions. These were hard questions at the time. These were questions that apostles disagreed about. And if you are a student of the New Testament, you'll know that Paul came and withstood Peter to the face. One apostle withstood another because he said, you're wrong about this question. And so this was a very difficult question at the time. And like I said, if you would look at Acts chapter 15, which I'd encourage you to go read that. Uh, they, they had arguments about that. And those men resolved those questions. And so one of these things that falls under the umbrella of oversight is to teach and to make sure that what is taught is what is appropriate. I had a person from the community ask me, uh, it was last year, they said, what would happen in your church if somebody taught something that was wrong? And I said, well, David and Garland would trip over each other trying to get up there to stop them. I have no doubt of that. Now, it might be chaos for a minute because I think both of them would try to get to the front to correct, we're not teaching that here. Now, how many times have you seen Mont, how many times have you seen that? Never seen it, have you? Because they've managed these things. They've had oversight of these things. Some of those things may be done privately, but I'll tell you, if some person got up in this pulpit and taught things that were absolutely not true, one of those men would be on this floor and say, we're going to correct this. That's oversight, you see. Making sure that the feed that this congregation receives is the truth. And that is their responsibility, number one. Number two, to train. I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians 4, uh, 11 and 12. Josh, would you run and get me a water? Would you mind? Thank you. Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 16, I would challenge everyone here to memorize especially 4 11 and 12 this is a critical teaching 
when it comes to how a church should function. And we're talking a little bit today about how our congregation goes from a start to where it thrives. And this passage of scripture is absolutely a bedrock scripture when it comes to that. Thank you, buddy. And I'm going to read to you from the New King James. This is speaking of Jesus. He himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, that's elders, and teachers. Who gave these men? Who gave these positions? Who ordained that there be these offices in the church? Jesus did. Why did he do it? What's their job? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. And this is the number two element that falls under the umbrella of oversight. To equip the saints. Now, Jesus gave elders and teachers and evangelists. We, we don't have apostles anymore. To be apostle, you had to see Jesus resurrected. That, that's been over for a while. He also mentioned prophets. We, we don't have prophets anymore. Those miraculous offices, such as a prophet, were, were done away with. As of 1 Corinthians 13, they were mostly done away with. And by the time the, the Bible was written down, by at least around 90 to 100 A.D., The prophets were gone. What we have today is elders, teachers, and evangelists. How how many men do we have that teach here? Raise your hand if you teach in this congregation. Don't be afraid. Jack, you taught the other night. Raise your hand. Thank you. Quite a few. Quite a few here that do that. And that's a good group of men. That's a sizable group. We have elders and teachers and evangelists. What do they do? They are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I think I've misunderstood this most of my life. I think a lot of people in a lot of places think, well, elders are supposed to do all this work. This whole functioning of the church, it's on the elders. And if they don't do it, then they make the deacons do it. And that's it. Everybody else, what is our job? We come sit down on Sunday. That's not true. That's not right. It's not biblical. Who is supposed to do this work? This work of the ministry? The church. The work of elders is to equip the members of the church to do the work of the ministry. And maybe you're listening and think, well, I don't really like that. (laughs) I want them to do it. It's not God's plan. God's plan is for you and me as members to do the work of the ministry. What's more effective? Out of a hundred people to have two salesmen? Or have a hundred salesmen? What's more effective? Out of a hundred people to have two carpenters? Or a hundred carpenters? What's more effective? Out of a hundred people to have two teachers? Or a hundred teachers? Very simple. 
And so the work of elders is to train and to equip the members of the church to do this work of ministry. <clears throat> now I want to go back to a passage we've read, and I want to read it again. 1 Peter 5, verses 2 and 3. Peter says to elders, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. I want you to focus on this word in samples. What does it mean? Well, I think we all tend to say it means example, and in sample is an example, and I think in most cases that's true, but this is a slightly different word. This is the Strong's. It means a die as struck. Now, do you know what that is? A die as struck. Uh, a stamp or scar, a shape. To be examples to the flock. Elders, part of their job is to mold, to strike a die and form a shape, the shape of this congregation. How do we get churches from their birth to thriving? They have to be shaped. Molded, modified, as it were. And people have to be equipped or trained to take on the numerous roles that exist that need to be taken up. Because in a congregation of a hundred people, there's gobs of work that's got to be done. A die has struck. This, is, this goes back to how coins were made. Has it, have you ever seen a coin struck? I saw one one time. It's pretty fascinating. But you have right here a blank coin. Uh, you know, in ancient times it was a piece of gold or silver. And then you have an upper die and a lower die. And somebody strikes this die with the big hammer. Uh, and here's another image. This is a hammer die. And this is the anvil. And on each one of them is an image. And I don't know who this is. I mean, maybe Caesar or somebody. But uh, it's carved into the metal on the upper and lower. And I remember where we were, maybe Silver Dollar City. I don't know if Daff even remembers. And my, my nephew paid to have a coin struck. And he got this blank. And they put it in here in between. And they had an enormous hammer. And they... Whew, Struck it, and it molded that coin. And so we have this blank that needs to be molded, and there may be several steps, and then it is struck and to the common image that you're used to seeing. Uh, oh, how well you can see this. Th this is what you start out with, something blank, and you end up with something that's formed or molded in the shape that you want. And this is the idea that we're talking about being in samples to the flock. They are to exert influence upon the members of this congregation and help them to be molded into what the God wants them to be. Clint, did you ever swing a hammer and try to hit a chisel real hard? Generally, you miss. I, I do. Yes. And cry and hurt. What happens if we miss? 
What happens if elders miss? What happens if elders don't train? What happens if they don't equip? What happens to churches who don't have elders? There's nobody there to say, you need to go this way. I dare say there's not a soul here today who would argue with me about the statement I'm about to make. David Zebach is going to push you. Only one amen, I'm shocked. He's going to push you. You've never led a prayer? Here, you're leading prayer today. That's, that's striking a die. Don't feel good. May not like it. Might would appreciate some other approach. It's the foundation of their work. Okay. It's not really an elder's job to teach men to lead songs. Now, just hang on a second. Let me qualify. It's not wrong for an elder to teach somebody how to lead songs. It's not really their job. It's the elder's job to equip members of the church to be able to teach men to lead songs. And then we have not just two people who can do that, but 20. It's not really an elder's job to do benevolent works. It's not wrong for them to do benevolent works. It's the elder's job to equip members of the church to do benevolent works. Now I left, I left part out on the last side. The, then elders, once they've equipped members to do benevolent works, then the elders must oversee that work. When the elders have trained and equipped people to do that benevolent work, then all they've got to do is oversee and make sure that's getting done. It's not really an elder's job to evangelize the community. I'm not saying they need to stay home every time we knock doors. I'm not saying they can't go invite people to church. That's just not really their job. It's the elder's job to equip the members of the church to evangelize the community. When the elders have done that, then the elder's work is to oversee that and make sure that happens. It's not really elders' job to do Bible studies. And you say, hang on, cowboy, you just said they got to feed the flock. That's right. It's the elders' job to equip the members of the church to do Bible studies. And then we don't have two people doing it. We have 20 people doing it. And that's how churches are going to thrive. You see. And once they've equipped those people to do that, then elders oversee that work. And they make sure that that work of the ministry gets done. It's not an elder's job to do the work of an evangelist. It is the elder's job to equip men to be evangelists. That's their job. Equip a man to where he can go out and do that job. It's an elder's job to equip men to come in and be deacons. You see, that's their role. That's their work. It's not an elder's job to change light bulbs. He can. He can. So in particular, I want to look at a passage that has to do with training men to be evangelists. 
1 Timothy 4 verse 14. This is what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. This is New King James. Timothy was an evangelist. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. As I understand it, the role of an evangelist is to go into every city and ordain elders. And the role of elders is to ordain evangelists. That's a check and balance that we find within Scripture. And so, if elders are really doing their job, ultimately a congregation may produce evangelists. Produce song leaders, produce teachers, produce more evangelists, produce deacons, produce women who can do Bible studies, produce benevolent works in the community, produce evangelism and gospel meetings. And we, we could just go on and on and on about every minute detail of ministry. And they all need to get done, every one of them. And I'll tell you, there's no way on earth, no way that two elders and five deacons can do it all. None. The way that it gets done and the way churches thrive is for elders to do their job and embrace their role of training along with evangelist teachers. And when we do that, what do we get? Well, we get the rest of what I want to read in Ephesians 4. He gave elders and teachers and evangelists, why? For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Now read verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We have this equipping and this training task force that's in place so that I can be the man I ought to be. So that you can be the woman you ought to be. So that you can be the teenager you ought to be and the lady that you ought to be. These things are in place to help us to grow and be equipped to use our talents and abilities for this congregation and for God's kingdom. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I've gone to congregations where that's exactly what you have. No elders, no training, no vision, and people just tossed to and fro. It won't work. It won't thrive. And, and eventually it'll die. Verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him into all things, which is the head even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. When elders do their job and equip and you and I embrace and say, I want to take on that role. I want to help. Help me learn to whatever. And we each supply what we have talent in. When we each provide to the congregation our talents and abilities, we will thrive. Every time. Without fail. So when an elder comes to you and asks you to do something, and he offers you a work in the church, 
Don't think he's trying to get out of doing his job. He's doing his job. And consider your role and what you can do. Because every joint supplies something that we need. Something that's very valuable. Something that we cannot live without. Okay. Number three is protect. The third element under this umbrella of oversight is protection. They have a responsibility to protect. Acts 20 is probably most well known. Uh, beginning of verse 28, he says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. The apostle warned the elders from Ephesus saying, You have to watch out and oversee and protect this flock. He says, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his blood. Now verse 29. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Hard times are coming. People are going to come here to destroy this flock. And you as elders have to protect it. That's what he's saying. Verse 30, it gets worse. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. Of you elders, some are going to go astray to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Can you imagine an apostle coming to visit here, spending a week or two, Says, I need to talk to you elders before I leave. You, gotta, you better watch out. Trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. I tell you, it wouldn't make these guys feel too good. I tell you what, it'd make them feel worse. One of you. <laughs> One of you is going to start the trouble. One of you is going to be the troublemaker. And he said, I've spent three years warning you. Trouble's coming. And so a big part of their job is to protect. And I will tell you, uh, without revealing too much information, these elders have protected this flock. They, they have guarded against the wolves. There have been wolves among us. You didn't even know. That's good shepherding. When, when the wolf is kindly ushered out the door and you never know, it's pretty good work. And there may be more. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 12, We beseech you, brethren... To know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. He's once again describing this work of eldership because they uh, are over you. He's talking about a position of oversight here and he says they admonish you. It's an interesting uh, word in the Greek. It means uh, to put in mind uh, by implication to cause, to caution or reprove, to gently admonish or warn. This is a, the nature of protecting. And so if an elder comes to you and said, hey, I'm concerned, I, I, want to, I want to encourage you. I want you to be careful. You need to listen. You need to perk up and listen. If an elder says, I'm worried about you. If an elder calls you and says on the phone, where was you last Sunday? That's out of concern. It's out of care. You see, that's part of their role is to warn and to admonish. John 10, verse 12, 13. Uh, Jesus describes it this way. He that is an hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep. 
Elders can't do that. Now, elders may struggle with balancing sheep and wolf. You know, a, a wolf may come in here and we, we'd like that wolf to be saved. We'd like that wolf to become a sheep. Those things are challenging. This is the way Jesus put it. A hireling leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not for the sheep. If you're going to be an elder, you've got to care for sheep. You've got to care for the people in the church, and you've got to be willing to protect those sheep, to confront the wolf. You've got to have that courage. I had a cow. Well, Dad had a cow. During our meeting, doing, doing Melba was here, I went and fed the cows. One of his dumb cows had got her head stuck in the gate. And, uh, I mean, it, she had about that much room, and her, her neck was in there. And I said, you dummy. And she didn't want help. Uh, of all the things, she wanted no help. I tried to help her. I tried to get her out. I Stomped on her head. She didn't appreciate it. The help. Tried to rope on her. Tried to pull her down. She didn't assist at all. Finally had to get a torch and cut the gate down. Drastic measures. Don't be that person. If elder comes to help you and your neck's in a pinch, let him help. If he comes to warn you, listen. It may be important. Isaiah 56 verse 9 all ye beasts of the field come to devour. Yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone for his gain from his quarter. This is not the way. I was sitting there yesterday working on this and, and Rocco barked and barked and barked. For 30 minutes, I got up and went out the door. I said, what is it? I don't know. I couldn't see nothing. I chased him around the other side of the house. He quit. He's a dumb dog, but he will bark. He will sound a warning, at least. And that's part of the role of elders, to protect the flock. From what? Anything. Dangers without and within. False doctrines, false teachings. You know, doctrines come and go. Changes come and go and things get popular. And, and nowadays they got to watch about Facebook and protect about Facebook and all kinds of things anymore. <clears throat> James 5.14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him in oil with the name, in the name of the Lord. Part of their job is to care for those who are ill, both spiritually and physically. That's a part of their work. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. That's a part of their job. They are concerned for every person who's part of this congregation. They want you to succeed. They want you to thrive. They want you to grow. They want you to be happy. They want you to avoid the snares and the traps of the devil. They want you to avoid the heartaches that could come down the road. That's a big job. And that's part of the work that they do. 1 Peter 5.22 For ye are, were as sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. That's part of the nature of their work. And so I want to conclude where we begin. Uh, Elders must oversee. 
I believe that's in those three areas. And they're big areas. They've got to feed and teach. They've got to train. And they've got to protect. And I'll tell you on a personal note, I think we've got elders that work really diligently and really hard. I, I think any congregation that gets to the point where we're at has to have that. But I'll tell you, if you want to thrive, if you want to thrive as an individual, then you need to be open to what these elders have to say. You, you need to be moldable. They, they may see something in you that you do not. A talent, an ability. And they may try to come and, and train that. Help you to grow. Alexis is growing a real nice garden. She got squash bugs and I've told her about it I told her they're there she's wanting it to grow and there ain't been much we could do she had a gopher eating up her plants Mont, eat the squash plants and we found that gopher hole and we stuck a, a exhaust pipe out of the pickup and we exhausted we killed him he ain't been back she wants those plants to grow so she's doing what she can to make them grow those tomatoes weren't putting on. I, I told her, get, a, get the broom and go out there and beat them dudes up. So we thrashed one of them. I, the rest of them noticed, I think, because they're starting to put on tomatoes now. Elders do the same thing. I mean, you, you may be put in an uncomfortable situation by these elders because they see something in you that you can grow. And if, if you want to be the best Christian you can be, you'll listen. And you'll give effort. If you want your family to be the best family it can be, you'll listen. And if you want this church to thrive, you'll not only listen, but you'll embrace what they ask of you. Because with a hundred of us doing everything we can, we'll thrive. And for long it'll be 150 and 200 and then these guys will be worrying about building a new building and I'm going to laugh. I'm going to be happy. Because that's management. I'm sales. You see. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.